Hey, what's up, family? This is Coach Josh. Hope you all are doing well. Hope you guys are doing uh, exceptional on this Monday. Uh, I'm excited about these live Q&As. I always do um, because I get a chance to serve you all. But if you're watching for the very first time, we'll let you know who, my, who I am. My name is Josh Wesley, also known as Coach Josh, and my goal is to help you make sense of your life and to help you grow holistically for God's optimal use. And after watching this video, like, man, I like this guy's vibe. Go ahead and subscribe. And I would love to be your coach here online. But for those who's been rocking with me for a long time or you've been subscribed for a few days, a few minutes, I want to say thank you so much uh, for trusting what God has entrusted to me. And I pray it continuously to be treasure for you. But as everyone is coming in, let me let you guys know about some things that I have going on. Just in case you don't know, I have some spots available. If you need one-on-one -on -one coaching, if you need to talk to me about anything and you're like, hey, I need coaching for my relationship. I need coaching uh, for spiritual development. I need coaching for my singleness. I need coaching to find my purpose, branding, whatever it is. Let me know. I have some spots available this week and going into the new year. And so if you would love to talk to me and would love some life coaching, I'm here for you. Also, check out my latest book, um, The Wholeness Journal. It's a great book for those who want to process what it means to be whole and how to hold the important things of life. Great book, great resource. Also got a card game that was created with it. Uh, the first one who spell whole wins. It's a fun, interactive card game for those who are looking to hold things better. All those things, including other books and resources, are available now on my website, IamUnplugged.com. So let's see who's all here. Oh, we already got people going. Uh, Winters Meridian said, uh oh, let me take this off. There we go. <laughs> Winters says, hey, coach, in what ways does God grow our faith? It seems as though, my speaker down here. Oh, there we go. All right, Winters says, <clears throat> hey, coach, in what ways does God grow our faith? It seems as though I'm being challenged to grow even more faith through many trials. Well, the verse is very clear. It says, count it all joy when you go through various trials or meet various trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Now you got to look at your life and ask yourself, what do you feel God is preparing you for? Whatever God is preparing you for, he's developing or cultivating the patience for it, right? A lot of us, we want things. We want to have things. We want to be successful. We want these great, uh, huge things, but we forget that those things requires patience, requires maintenance, requires stewardship, right? And so in, in there's many ways God builds our faith. He utilizes circumstances. He utilizes situations. He utilizes the consequences of our own free will. He utilizes other people. He utilizes uh, purpose and dreams and goals. He does this because he knows these various trials <clears throat> will make you versatile. Versatility is important when it comes to faith. Versatility is important when it comes to vision. We have to be versatile, adaptability. We got to be able to become all things to all men that we might win some. We know we must know how to rejoice with those that rejoice, weep with those that weep. There's a lot of different things nuanced in life that God utilizes the various trials, the, the unique ways, strategic ways to help prepare us uh, for those days of stewardship. So, hey, coach, in what ways does God grows our faith? First off, he grows our faith with the word of God. He says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the ultimate way that faith grows. And that's by the word of God. That's through fellowship of God. Uh, through the fellowship of God, then you will begin to cultivate the contentment needed to count it all joy as you go through the trials. The issue is not the trial itself. It's our response to the trial. And our response to the trial is a reflection of our relationship with the one who is trying to cultivate us through the trial. 
So as long as you continue to build contentment, love, faith, strength, and trust in God, then you will begin to see you blossom even more. Every tree has the potential to bear a bunch of fruit, but its fruits is directly reflected of the roots. If your roots, if all your roots are in God, the more fruit you'll bear for God. Y'all said, it seems as though I'm being challenged to grow even more faith through many trials. Listen, um, to whom much is given, much is required and, and count it all joy because these various trials are going to be used to make you versatile, to develop the patience needed for you to actually become whole, complete and lacking in nothing. Great question, my friend. All right. Nyla says, hey, coach. I recently started speaking in tongues. What does it mean? Is there a correct way God wants us to use it? And how do I make sure I'm not misusing it? Great question. Where the word of God says, build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So we see that praying in tongues is, is a great way for us to build our faith, to strengthen us. Um, speaking in tongues is also a gift of the, not a gift of the spirit, but a, ah, oh, man. Uh, yeah, gift of the spirit where people speak in tongues and there's interpretation of tongues for the salvation of others. So that's a way that God you speaking in tongues where you speak it in a language that connects with other people and then it can bring them to God. Also speaking in tongues is benefit, like I said in, in previously, it helps build your faith. Every time I find myself in a situation, I pray in tongues and, and I just pray because I know it's building myself up and I and I've seen the fruit of it because no matter what I'm facing in life as a husband, as a coach, as a counselor, when I take that time aside, I build myself up in my most holy faith, meaning that this faith that's been given to me, that's measured to me, is, is supposed to be stirred. It's supposed to be cultivated. And this, uh, uh, our prayer language does that. And so congratulations, that's a great resource and tool to have. And so uh, those are two main ways biblically um, that speaking in tongues benefits. Uh, and you say, is there a correct way God wants us to use it? Um, um, definitely. Well, the Bible also talks about that it's not wise um, to pray in a group of people. I think this is in the word of God. Please forgive me if it's not. But I think it is because uh, uh, demonic spirits through witches can also speak in unknown language and put curses on people. So it's a great private resource, a great private tool to build yourself up in your most holy faith, right? And so how do I make sure I'm not misusing it? Um, just use it when you know you need to use it. I don't think you'll misuse it because if you're praying privately, it's a benefit to do it. The more you do it, the more you build yourself up, up build yourself up, especially in certain circumstances. Hope to help. Fun with Tasha Brown says, what do you do if someone rejects you, then tries to come back? Don't let them back in. Listen, uh, uh, I'm not going to let you reject and then have you come back to inspect because people will reject you and then come back to inspect you to see if they can be positioned back in your life. So this is what you need to do. Number one, you have to write down the reasons why you should not let them back in. The reasons why you should not let them back in. Number two, you got to uh, encourage yourself often. Now you see, I'm trying to spell the word reject. So you got to write down the reasons why they should not come back in your life. Number two, you got to continuously to encourage yourself, right? Then you got to find joy in God because if you don't have joy in God, then you will begin to feel that your values in someone who has left. And oftentimes we begin um, to uh, um, uh, uh, think back over our lives with that individual and then begin to find, well, at least I can let them back in because we did have a lot of good times. Let me tell you something I tell most people is that when you do pros and cons of the reasons why that person not be in, you may have 15 pros. 
You may have a lot of great times with the individual, but 15 pros and two cons, those two cons can still outweigh those other pros. So just because um, you had great moments with them doesn't mean you should make more moments with them. So number one, you got to write down the reasons, pros and cons, why you should not let them back in your life. You got to encourage yourself, edify yourself, and begin to find um, the uniqueness by which God created you. Number three, you got to start finding more joy in God. You got to begin to say, you know what? God is my source. God is my everything, and I'm going to pursue what he has me to do. Number uh, four, you got to educate yourself. You got to start uh, getting more uh, involved in, in, there we go, exercise, evolve, get more in, involved in the things in life so that you can evolve, right? And so that you can exercise, build some endorphins, get some things in you. Uh, last but not least, C and T, you see I'm working hard on this. See, um, you got to um, <laughs> you gotta circle around yourself, <laughs> resources that will help you. And last but not least, man, you got to be thankful that God protected you through that rejection. Simple as that. Don't let them back in because if you're dumb enough to leave, because most people, they'll leave and then they'll come to their senses, but they didn't change their character. They didn't change their character. So what happens is they may go out there, like I said in another video, they may chew the grass and be like, man, this grass over here is not what I thought it was, and then try to come back to you, but they're not coming back as a changed individual. So you have to understand who you are in God, and you got to be able to say, hey, man, I am more valuable than to be mistreated like this, because when people reject you, they reject you for a reason. But find your reason for life, man, so that you won't cause treason in your life to go back with someone that doesn't even belong in this season of your life. And hello to you, too. Hope you're doing well. LV says, hello, coach. I've been praying for vision in all parts of my life. <clears throat> I'm looking for a clear blueprint to building during my single season. Great question. Let me look at it again. I've been praying for vision in all parts of my life. That's great. I'm looking for a clear blueprint to build during my single season? Well, you first have to understand that your single season is probably your most valued, valuable season. Why? Because it's where you develop character. It's where you begin to understand your uniqueness. It's, it's where you begin to develop relationship with God. It's where you begin to build uh, finan financial supports, uh, financial revenue streams to be able to support um, what's down the road for you, right? And so here's some things you got to think about while being single. Number one, you got to understand the value of your singleness. You must understand the value of your singleness and what you can do. Most people, um, they, they never cultivate anything in their singleness. They ask and ask and ask. And as time continues to pass and pass and pass, they have nothing to pass over into the next phase of their life. They, don't, they, they want this man of God. They want this woman of God, but they're not that man or woman of God. They want this person who's financially stable or financially literate, but they're dumb financially. They want somebody who's in shape and in the gym, but they sitting on the couch eating potato chips. So they, all these different things, they're, they're, they're so focused on looking at marriage versus what they're in, what's in their carriage. What are you going to carry into the marriage? What are you going to have in your carriage to bring to the marriage, right? So that's, some, that's number one thing you got to think about is the value of your singleness. Number two, you got to start having creative meetings and business meetings with God and ask God, what are those things inside of me that you want to pull out of me that will set me up? All of those books I've written, all those things I did in my 20s, all those things I did in my singleness are paying dividends, are paying into my marriage. 
They're supporting my marriage. They're impacting my marriage, right? Because let me tell you, how I met my wife was through my purpose. And if you don't know the person of God, then you won't know your uh, person, your personhood, your personality. If you don't know your personality, you won't really understand your purpose. And if you don't fully know your purpose, you will never find your person. So those four P's are the building blocks of singleness. I must get to know the person of God. Because the more I get to know him, the more I get to know me as a person. And when I get to know myself as a person, the more close and familiar I come with knowing my purpose. And when I begin to know my purpose and executing and thriving in my purpose, then as I'm pursuing my purpose, I'll find my person. Because if you don't know your purpose, how will you know who's who's, uh, compatible to that purpose? If you don't know yourself, who will you know who you're compatible to? If you don't even know God, who will you even know who he has for you, right? And your singleness is just a great season for you um, to enjoy your life with God. Because when you get married, your time is cut in half, your energy is cut in half, if not more than half, and you're going to have to invest more. And if you didn't if you didn't condition yourself in singleness, then how will you be successful in marriage and parenting and, 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 and governing when it comes to being a pillar in your family? So you build by going with the one who's already orchestrated and built your life so he can show you the visions of your life. And then you can see clearly what you need to do um, to be able to be the person you need to be for the season you need, you desire to live in. I hope that helps. But singleness is a gift, man. And those who hate their singleness are unfit for marriage. Those who hate their singleness are unfit for parenting. Those who hate their singleness are not ready to fulfill their purpose. Thanks, bro. Bless you too. Reach and high. What's going on? Jody Real says, how to make a marriage work if one spouse is an introvert and the other is outgoing and very social? Great question. Um, I'm an introvert and my wife is kind of in the middle, but I think she's more introverted too, but I think she's got, she's more extroverted than I am. So I can speak a little bit to this. Um, supernaturally, the marriage works. Supernaturally. If you, if, if all you input into your marriage is natural ability, natural understanding, and you don't allow the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to guide it, that marriage will become frustrating by the hour. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to supernaturally bring the two together, as y'all get to know each other and have grace for each other and have a, a, a patience with each other and have a plan with each other, then the marriage won't work. So here's some things you got to think about. If um, your spouse is introverted, you got to give her or him that space um, to be who they are. Because if you try to um, cause them to come all the way on your side versus having the uh, idea of compromise, then you will, then you won't find yourself where your, your marriage won't be founded and solid. What I mean by that is, is compromise is important in marriage. You have to say, okay, what is the common ground? Where can we meet? Where can we meet in the middle? Selfishness says, hey, I need you to always do how I do things, right? I need you to come all the way over to here so I can be comfortable. But nothing grows in comfort zones, especially in marriage. You got to be comfortable with the uncomfortable because the uncomfortableness of marriage will pull the depths of patience out of you. See, the thing, the natural interactions of marriage should be the thing that pulls the spiritual gifts out of you, the spiritual fruit out of you, right? Like the, the conflict of marriage, the tension of marriage, the compromise of marriage should be, it's the very tension needed 
to pull the treasures of love out of you, joy out of you, because human love, human joy, human peace, human patience or long suffering, human kindness, human gentleness, human self-control is, is short-lived. The spiritual gifts, the spiritual fruit, the fruit of the spirit, that thing can transcend even frustration, frustrational periods in your marriage, because that is the tension of, of being uncomfortable or discomfort that drains out of you that supernatural love to compromise, that supernatural joy to say, I, I, I want to serve you in your extrovertism. I want to serve you in your introvertism. I, I see the reasons why I should give you this time, etc. Only by the spirit of God will you be able to find that unique balance as you go through marriage. Next, you got to develop a plan and say, OK, what times of the day, what times of the week, what times of the month, what times of the quarter, what times of the year are you are you like this? So I can understand and not get frustrated because of selfishness. Next, before you even get to the plan, you got to look and peek, uh, peek inside of yourself and ask them, is there any selfishness in me? Is there any, is there a lack of compromise in me? Wherever there's lack is a reflection that you haven't gone back to God often, that you and God haven't been talking often, that you and God haven't been fellowshiping often for you to cultivate um, a relationship with the spirit of God to open the doors for you um, to operate more in the supernatural spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, etc. right? Because self-control, it's going to be hard to have self-control with your words, self-control with your emotions if you're not able to do it. Let's look at the uh, fruit of the spirit real quick in order. Fruit of the spirit. Let's look at it. Uh, let me see. Is this in order? Because there's there, it, one thing that God showed me recently, man, and it was very profound. Uh, is this it? All right. Can y'all see me? Okay, good. I'm on another screen. Oh, I can make this smaller. All right. So basically, the last fruit of the spirit, right, is called self-control, right? Let me help this make this plain. Now, notice it says the fruit of the spirit, not the fruits of the spirit. It's not like each one is a fruit by itself. It's a fruit, meaning that one can't happen without the other, right? So the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, uh, patience. Uh, let me make sure I find uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice the order. You can't have self-control if you're not gentle. You can't be gentle unless you're faithful. You cannot have goodness without kindness. You can't have kindness without patience. You can't have patience without peace. You can't have peace without joy. And you can't have joy without love. Right. So in order for marriage to work, you need the fruit of the spirit activated. So, number one, the love of God casts out all fear. The love of God, the perfect love of God casts out all fear. So the reason why we want them to come all the way over to our peer of the of the of the place is because of fear. I'm afraid that this person may abandon me. I'm afraid that I, I can't be who I am unless you are like I am, unless you more like me. Right. But if you allow the love of God to perfect out of you that fear, then you will become joyful. You will become content in God because you have been overshadowed and overwhelmed by the love of God. The love of God then produces joy, contentment. When you're at a place of joy, you naturally find yourself more peaceful. 
no matter what pressures or wind comes in your life, the joy of the Lord is your strength and you know that you love by God. A person who knows they're loved by God and has a joy of God, they are strengthened to not be pressed by anything. Therefore, they have the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Now, when you have the peace of God, now when you're at a place of peace, you are more patient. When I'm in a grocery store and I'm at a state of peace, it doesn't matter how long the line is because I know that God orchestrates my steps. I'm at a place of peace because the joy of the Lord is my strength. Therefore, I can sit in that long line and be more patient with my wife, be more patient with people because I understand I'm at peace because I got the joy of the Lord and I don't have no fear in me because the love has cast it out of me. Then when you are more patient, you are typically more kind. <laughs> you are you have enough bandwidth and strength to be more kind. Then when you're a kind person, you tend to do more good things. And when you do more good things, you begin to see the impact of it and you become more faithful at being good, more faithful at being kind, more faithful at being patient, more faithful at being a joy, etc. etc. Then when you are faithful, then you are more of a gentle person because you see the fruit of your faithfulness and how it impacts others, then you are more gentle. And when you are more gentle, you don't find yourself not self-controlled. You don't find yourself overbearing, cussing, yelling, talking, doing more emotional things because you're more uh, self-controlled. That's how you find the balance in marriage, right? That's how you find the supernatural control of the Holy Spirit operating your marriage. And you'll begin to say, man, we have more in the carriage. We have more to give. We have more to, more to give to each other, right? So I say all that to say that when you have the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will begin to see how introverts and extroverts can go together. You, as an introvert, I'm believing, you, when your wife wants to be more socially and she wants to be more out there, you begin to see and more. You begin to see the uh, the gleam in her eye more so than the frustration in your heart. And then you have already had a plan to say, okay, you know that after I do this for you, I need to go and recharge so that when she comes back home, she not all in your face. She'll let you go your way and do what you got to do because they uh, y'all understand each other. This is what I would tell all couples to do is to do that personality test, 16personalities.com. Because the more you begin to understand yourself, 16personalities.com, once you begin to see how God wired you, then you you guys won't expire you. You guys won't uh, fall into that trap. You will be more inspiring to each other because you've got, that's how God wire you. Who am I to rewire you? Hope to help. Uh, oh, visions for family, health, business, wealth, etc. Great. I see what you're saying, LV. LV says, hello, coach. I've been praying for vision all parts of my life. She was saying she's uh, she's praying for vision for family, health, business, wealth. All that begins with time with God. What I normally do, my friend, I always bring a clipboard and a piece of paper with my time with God. I got my Bible here, right? You see, you see that the Bible already got like marks all over it. It's funny. I'm in the book of Mark and I got marks all over it. Bars. You see what I'm saying? Anyway, I mark up my Bible. And then I mark up my clipboard. I get ideas from God. Then you will begin to see the value of singleness because you'll say, I need to make more time with God because the lack of time you have with God in your singleness will prove uh, your, uh, your level of trust in your marriage. If you don't have, like, marriage is about having your own relationship with God individually and then a shared relationship with God with each other. <clears throat> you're probably going to have, you're going to probably gonna spend more time with God away from each other than you will with each other. And if you don't have a history of, of time with God in your singleness, 
that when it's time to be married, man, you're going to be cleaving a little bit more or leaving eventually. What the hell? If uh, uh, if there are constant rejections, is that God signaling not yet or possible to know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Rejections and uh, rejections in jobs, opportunities, relationships, other opportunities. Yeah. Let me tell you something about God. Rejection is for your protection. God, uh, you've heard this saying. God has heard conversations you haven't heard. God has have seen hearts you never seen. You have to understand. God knows the hearts of people even when that before that person departs from you. People know God knows their heart. Right. God, even though people genuinely want you in the moment, God knows the moments their hearts are not going to be with you. That's why the Bible says, consider what you do or consider what you eat before you sit before kings, because people that may prepare a table in front of you, hearts may not be with you. Right. And so you have to understand that God knows what's best. That's why I let God close doors. I don't even get offended no more. I don't even get upset no more. I don't care when people come and go anymore because I know God knows their heart. God heard their conversations. God already sees their heart. God already sees their betrayal while they're in love with you at the moment. God knows the length and the bandwidth of other people. See, I understand that with me. People are usually drawn to Coach Josh, but they don't stay for Joshua Ezzy. Joshua Ezzy is a whole nother person, right? And so I have to, I have to treasure and, and protect the real me while I'm extending the anointed me, right? The coach Joshua there is dripping with anointing. But when you get to the Joshua Ezzy, the human, not too many people are, 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 are able or have the bandwidth and the grace for me. You have to understand, God knows who has the grace for your race. That's why you're supposed to go at your pace, right? And seek his face because you don't know who's really going to be able to run the full mile with you. That's why a friend is one who endures to the end. So when jobs reject you, opportunities reject you, relationships reject you, opportunities reject you, when you've already proven to be unrejectable, hear me, here's the, here's the balance. Now, rejection is based upon your projections, what you're projecting. If you're projecting something that's not at their value, you can't get mad at their rejection. Now, if you if you're if you're qualified and you're very skilled and you're very good and you're ready for the job and you're good at what that job and you're ready for relationships and you maximize your singleness and you're projecting qualities and traits that matches and supersedes the expectation of thing that you're looking for and they reject you, that means God's rejecting you and God's protecting you through that rejection. But if you're projecting low fruit low standards, low IQ, low EQ, you're projecting low things and then get mad when that job rejects you, but you're not qualified for it. Get mad when that relationship rejects you because you don't match what they are living or you get or you get offended because that opportunity rejects you, but you didn't build in the off season for that opportunity, then you can't get mad at that rejection. Many people, I'm not saying it's you, but many people are mad when people reject them, jobs reject them, things reject them, but look at, they, they never looked at what they're projecting at them. You got to look at what you're projecting. Now, if I'm projecting something that matches that expectation and exceeds the expectation, and then I still get rejected, then that's for my protection. But if I'm projecting something um, 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 that's lower then what they're expecting, that I'm the cause of that rejection. And I can't be in my feelings because I got rejected because I'm not ready. If you're ready and you're rejected, you're being protected. If you're rejected, but you're not ready, then you cause the rejection on yourself. Hope to help. 
Byron says, how do I react to being left in red? I don't want to come off as too needy or immature. Listen, uh, if people leave you on red, go where you're fed. It's just simple, man. I go where I'm celebrating, not where I'm tolerated. If you leave me on red, and, and I'm, I'm older now, I could care less about that, but I'm giving advice. I help kids with this all the time. It's like, if it, listen, go where you fed, not where you left on red. Because if you now, you also got to consider that person's life too. Now, if you've been left, now if you left something like emotional, you left something like serious and whatever, and that person, and you know they out of school right now, they in college, and they don't got nothing to do right now, and they left you on red, then you go where you fed and go get fed, right? But if you know this person and you've been left on red for 10 minutes and you're emotional about it, then you got to look at yourself and ask yourself, do I want this person more than I should want them? And then you know they're working all day. You know they're productive in their day. You know they got things to do, but they usually eventually come back to you. Then you got to examine your heart to make sure that you're not ripped apart because that person's trying to play the part in their own life and their days are full. But if you left something emotional and you know this person has a pattern of doing that because leaving a person on red is 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 an insecurity thing. It's not it's not a, uh, it's, it's the, I, I'm running away from a responsibility. Then you go where you celebrate, not where you tolerate it. And so anyway, you go about your day, man. Listen, listen, I can care less who is available to me. I'm not I'm not too idle to be in tune with who left me on red or not. So to encourage you, you got to be about your father's business. You got to be in a place where you 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 ain't thinking about the text message. Now, if you're thinking about that text more than you're thinking about what God wants you to do next, then you're going to always be vexed, right? You got to be able to say, you know what? I, I got too much to do. What I need for you to do right now is get a sheet of paper and ask yourself. Uh, first, take the personality test to find yourself if you have it. 16personalities.com. Understand yourself, right? Because abandonment may be an issue of yours, rejection may be an issue of yours, et cetera, right? But what you got to do is say, okay, what can I be doing right now? <laughs> like for me, man, I, I'm, I'm working on my next book. I, I, I got coaching sessions today and tomorrow. I got, I got, and if you need one-on-one coaching, let me know, right? Anybody who's watching. But what I'm saying is I'm too, I'm too productive to be worrying about who's left me on red or not. See what I'm saying? So what I would do is this, man. Um, yeah, you got to look at your heart. If you feel like, hey, man, I'm being a little bit too needy. It's only been 10 minutes. If it's been 10 days, then go about your day. If it's been 10 hours, go about your day. Don't sit there and look at whether when they're going to read your text or not. Now you got to ask yourself, what's the context of the text? If the context of the text is about a relationship, but the context of the text is about something else, how a person responds to your heart should let you know who they are and what part they should play or shouldn't play in your life. And if they're playing with your heart, then you need to depart. Hope to help. Uh, Mary Lou says, need the journal, the card game, and may need some of that coaching. The Lord has me in another season of co-op of consecration, and he has me shutting down the people, place, and things that have not served me. Yeah. Make sure you check out, get that card game. I'm going to show the people for those watching right now. My latest book on um, the wholeness journal is a book on wholeness and helping you hold the right thing, hold the right things well. Over 125 reflective questions, uh, 25 articles, as well as 52 accountability journal entries for you to process your holdings. Also, the card game is talking about is a fun card game to play by yourself, play with a significant other, play with family, play with your kids, play who, with whoever who is playing a part in holding, holding the things in your life or whatever, church, community groups. And the first one to spell whole wins, a fun game to talk about wholeness. Each letter has a 
talking points on wholeness, and there's interactive stuff like exercises, mathematical equations, fun, engaged paper, rock, scissors, whoever wins, get the point, whatever. It's a lot of fun ways with that. And so if you also need one-on-one coaching, let me know. The link is in the chat box, um, or you can just go to my website, imunplugged.com. If you need to talk to me about your relationship, talk to me about your walk with God, talk to me about your singleness, purpose, branding, marketing, whatever, I'm here to help you have a lot of, not a lot, but I have a, uh, some spots available because my birthday's Friday, so Friday's off limits, but Either way, I have uh, some time today, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, and into the next week, not the new year, but into next week, um, going into the year. I'm going to be coaching all year. I just feel like this is a season where I want to give more to you all, so I'm here to coach as many of you all as I can. So let me know what your budget is, and I'll customize a coaching, uh, not experience, coaching session with you, and we'll go from there. So I pray. Um, Mary Lou, those books, card games, resources continue to be a blessing for you um, as you get them. And I'm here to help you for coaches. So contact me. I'm here to serve you. Brianna Battle says, hey, Coach Josh, good to see you. Good to see you too, Brianna. I knew the lunch hour was good. The Holy Spirit was like, man, go do a live at 12. I said, I bet I got you. I'll do it. And so I'm glad to see you all. Hey, Coach Josh, good to see you. I appreciate you consistently sharing good advice. God gets the glory. You know, God gets glory. Brian also says this season has been particularly tough for a lot of it has. And I know this season, especially with families, uh, uh, people passing away, um, singleness. This could be a tough season. But let me tell you, tis the season to be about your father's business. That's what got me through my singleness, writing books. I had a lot of moments where I hated my singleness. I was like, God, I'm single, but I want to mingle. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 it's hard to enjoy the jingle bells when you single bell. You know what I'm saying? When you're a single bell, it's hard to have fun and singing jingle bells. But it, but the thing about singleness is that you're never alone. No matter what season you go through, you're not alone. He's near the brokenhearted. And so um uh, um just I know it could be tough, but that's what I'm here to help serve and, and partner with the Holy Spirit in your life to help you find the life that He wants you to live so that you continue to give. Always preach your wisdom. God gets the glory, Sophia. Thank you for watching. Tiffany says, is it a sin to cut off a toxic family? It's not a sin if you need to win. If they're not helping you win, it's not a sin. Now, you also got to understand when it comes to family. I always give this advice. Uh, you got to know the difference between cutting the rope and lengthening the rope. You must understand the difference between cutting them off and sending them afar off, right? It's a big difference. Cutting someone off is, is usually in the categories of friends, uh, boyfriend, girlfriends, exes, you cut them off because they no longer have any connection in your life. They don't deserve any connection. Now, when it comes to family, no matter how long you live, they're still going to be family. So the, you you can't technically cut them off because they're family, right? But you can lengthen them the rope and push them afar off, right? What I mean by this, toxic family members or people are individuals that selfishly throws or heralds at you darts to keep you close to them or to have control over you, right? And people utilize their position in the family to cause you to become confused, to cause to try to infuse in you an agenda to, to do whatever they want. Because moms, dads, grandmamas, back in the old days, they know that as technology advanced, as we have matured as a society, it's hard to just say things and be like, do what I say. We're, we're a little bit more informed now. We, we have more to do now, etc. And some family members are feeling that they're losing control over the younger generation because they want to be the patriarchs versus allowing the Holy Spirit to be the patriarch of the family, right? And they utilize their um, their position as 
as a covering, as a protective tool to benefit the family, right? And so some people, they don't understand that they that you have to have self-control in order to allow God to have control over the family. You, you can't use techniques and strategies, manipulation to try to control the young people, right? So if you feel like they're trying to control you, lifting the rope. And what that means is you determine how much time you spend with them. So if you go into a family situation and you know that they're toxic and you know that your mental health, your emotional stability and your physical anxiety levels are not where they need to be. Then when you park your car, you ask the Holy Spirit to give you the strength you need to engage and, and interact with them and have the strength enough to say at the moment you feel that you're not mentally strong, emotionally strong or physically strong to be able to handle what they're hurling at you then it's okay for you to leave. And they're going to say a bunch of stuff. They're going to talk behind your back. But your self-love, let me tell you something. Your care for other people should never extend from your self-care. And your self-care should always derive for God's care of you. The Bible says, cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Then when you know that God cares for you, then you will care more for yourself. And then you will know how to distribute your care for others. And you'll know that, hey, if you're talking crazy, talking at the side of your neck, I'm going to eject. I'm going to go and protect myself because I don't need you like that, fam. So you got to ask yourself, who are these people? Get a sheet of paper right now. Write down each family member that's toxic. And who are they to you? And then ask yourself how you can better engage with you in mind. Manipulation has a way of controlling the emotions. When someone manipulates you, it moves you emotionally. It makes you feel obligated to. You ain't obligated to do diddly squat for nobody, especially that's not, that nobody is a nobody, right? So if it's your mother, you got to ask yourself, is she a nurturer? She's no longer your mother no more. She's just the woman that brought you into this world. If your father's not instructing you with gentleness and kindness, then he's not a father. He's just a sperm donor. If your brother is talking crazy about you, he's no longer a brother. He's just someone that was birthed through the same mom. If your sister's not being a sister, she was just a person that was birthed through your mom. Jesus was in a situation where his mom and brother was acting a little toxic. They was coming to the village, like, yo, Jesus. Disciples like, yo, Jesus, your brother and your mom and them want to talk to you. He was like, who's my mother? Who's my brother? Mary and them wasn't really all on board with what Jesus was doing. See what I'm saying? And so he was like, who's my mother? <clears throat> who's my brother? Those in the kingdom of God is my mother, my brother. He said, those who, who treat me like a mother, those who treat me like a father, those who treat me like a brother, those who treat me like, those my mother's brothers, sisters, and family. Just because you brought me in this world and you donated some sperm, you, you whatever, planted some seed, and now I'm here. Great. Thank you for that. But you're not being a mother to me. You're not being a father to me. You're not being a sister to me. You're not being a brother to me. You're not being a grandmother to me. You're not being a grandfather to me. You ain't being an uncle to me. You're not being an aunt to me. You just can't go by their title. You got to go by their actions. Just because they bear it in now don't mean, doesn't mean anything. They have to bear it in verb. If they're not being it, then you got to extend it. And what I mean by that lifting the rope is just saying, you know what? I'm going to keep y'all over there. And I don't have to answer your phone call. Or if I do answer your phone call, I can talk to you for 30 seconds and be okay. And if they get if they get in their feelings about it, it's what you do. First off, you extend the rope by eliminating your, make your absence make you more valuable because they don't deserve your presence. Therefore, they deserve your absence. Let me tell you something about absence and presence. 
You got to know who deserves your presence and who deserves your absence. See, if you don't value my presence, then you deserve my absence. It's okay to give people your absence because they don't appreciate your presence. My present is a present. That's a free gift. <clears throat> Me being here is a free gift. And if you're not, if you can't handle my free, then you can't handle me. So you need my absence now. You need to know who deserves your absence, who deserves your presence. You know who deserves your presence by those who help unwrap, those who get the gleam in their eye, the joy, the engagement. But the moment they start ignoring you, the moment they start uh, 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 not even considering your presence no more, and they start losing that gleam in their eye, they start losing that excitement in their eye, they start losing that, then you give them some absence. And your presence should be based upon your your uh, determination, right? So not everybody deserves your presence. A lot of people deserve your absence. Be a present for those who don't mind unwrapping the, unwrapping the present and appreciating your presence. I'm telling you that. So when it comes to family, man, if they're not if they're not being it in a verb, distance yourself from the herd. I'm telling you, you have more you have more joy in life. And so more practically, go get your food, go get your plate. Because mom, like I said in most videos, mama's sweet potato pie is not toxic. Mama's macaroni and cheese, still not toxic. Daddy's ribs are not toxic. Uncle Ray Ray's uh, uh, pulled pork is not toxic. So you still go in there and get you a plate. <laughs> still go in there and get you a plate. Get you your food. Get you your mama's sweet potato pie, <clears throat> auntie's pound cake, grandmama's uh, red velvet cake, still good. So even though they're toxic, you, be, you know when to be present. You know when to be present. Be present and get your plate. Stay a little while because maybe God may utilize you to be kind. So continue to be kind when you're in their presence. But the moment they begin to take advantage of your presence and you begin to hear whatever, it's okay to leave. You blessed, Josh. Go ahead. Laugh it out. Thank you. Thank you. Think to rethink. Yes, I finally caught a live Q&A. Yeah, do you got a question? I love when first timers... <clears throat> People who be hitting that post notification bell, all notifications. Let me see if Think to Rethink got a question. I want to, yeah, for those first time people. Ah, you know. Oh, here she go. I mean, I know, I know, I'm skipping y'all. I'm gonna get to y'all. Think to Rethink. You finally called a lot. Let me answer your question then. Here we go. <clears throat> think to Rethink says, I took a class, the Enneagram test for the person I type, a great resource to dive deeper into why you react to things the way you do and to be more aware of why others react the way they do. That's right. It's a great resource. I did the 16 personality. I haven't took that one though, but I'm telling you, that's a great resource for sure. See, Tosh said, see, now you're hungry. See, listen, mama food still good. Daddy food still good. It ain't toxic. They seasoned to the perfection. <laughs> so there's no, no, nothing wrong with being in their presence to get you a plate. As soon as they start heralding hate, it's time to get that dough. Corey says, hey, coach, I lost my job last month. I'm almost out of my savings to pay my bills. I applied for unemployment and still have no answer. I'm looking for jobs every day. How do I deepen my trust in him? Well, usually, from my experience, I can speak on this. When you begin to find things, number one, you keep, you keep, you keep doing what you know. You keep doing what you know you need to do in the natural. That, keep, that means keep applying for jobs, right? What God is showing you is, could be showing you is, is that I'm your provider. You won't truly know he's a provider until you need provision. 
So oftentimes God allows these things to happen so that you can see a new facet of him, so that you can see a new way of him, so that you can deepen your trust in him. So enjoy the ride. Now, as you're going through this, gauge your anxiety, gauge your stress levels. That right there shows your trust levels. So what I mean by that is this, is if you feel yourself on a panic scale, that you're panicking and you're stressing, it shows that in the off season previously, your relationship with God wasn't as invested in, right? So anytime I face something, I gauge my response and my response is a reflection of my relationship, which then shows me, okay, in order to be more prepared for the next time that I need God, to, where all I can, the only thing I can do is stand and see the salvation. I can't bring my own salvation. Then I got to start investing more into my relationship with God, right? And so now it's a great opportunity to see how this various trial is is cultivating or is endeavoring to produce patience and trust out of you. Anytime you go through this for anyone, anytime you go through a testing season or a trialing season, write down a scale of one to 10, your anxiety levels, your stress levels, anything above a five or four, anything above a four, right? is showing you that in a previous season, you haven't invested much in your relationship with God. Then you got to take that intel and say, you know what? I got to dive more into the well of God so that I can become well and trust him as I go through this trial in real time. See, it's easy to do that work after the trial, but now that you're in a trial, you got to do some work. You got to start utilizing your spiritual, your spiritual disciplines, spiritual skills. And if you don't have those different things right now, as you thought, that's when you start asking for grace and mercy. And that's what not, not asking for grace and mercy. But what I mean by that, you start asking for more help, supernatural support, and then really take the intel seriously. But you know what? I got work I need to do. I need to start praying more. I need to start spending time with God more. I got to become more familiar with God more. I got to say more scriptures about trials and, and, and pruning and stuff like that so that I can, uh, 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 when next trial come, I can be a little more successful. So I think I did a video. If you look on my previous videos, Corey, on how to trust God, T-R-U-S-T. I forgot what the acronym was for, but check it out there. Uh, God's girl says, coach, if God had you and your prayer partner to pray for certain person situation, God began to reveal and show us things. Will God hold us both to believe for the manifest or he'll manifest for the one in faith? The Bible talks about that. If one person is saved, that person has the power to have, they'll be used to save their whole household. So, uh, and also, but you also got to think about the other side. Can two walk together as they agree, Right. Uh, if, if God had you and, a, and your prayer partner to pray for a certain person or situation, right? Okay, good. God began to reveal and show us things. Will God hold us both to believe for the manifestation for he'll manifest? Uh, it just depends. I mean, uh, without God, without faith, it's impossible. Please God. Now, now, of course, God has showed everybody to a degree, um, something that he has dug inside of them, Right. But those in faith will be the ones that reap. So that's true. I mean, like the guy who gave the, the talents, he gave, and the, the master gave one, five, one, four, one, two, one, one, right? They all had an opportunity. But the one that buried it wasn't able to carry the next blessing. So what I'm saying is that it's true. God is going to probably hold the, uh, will probably manifest, not say manifest, but it, the faith is what will pull the manifestation. 
The faith will be the one that's principles in life. Those who believe, those who have faith, and those who are in the stream of that principle, in the portal, in the path of that principle of faith, they things manifest for them. But those who get in the path and portal of doubt and unbelief, Jesus was in his own village and he said because of unbelief, he didn't do many miracles there. So yeah, it all boils down to the one that's in faith. So God can show y'all both. I'm thinking you're talking about like a husband or wife, but you're talking about like a prayer partner. Okay. God can show y'all both something. But if y'all, if one goes and does well with it, and the other one doesn't do well with it, then the one who does do well with it and who still has faith, it will manifest for them. So if y'all are believing in something similar, but not connected. Now, if it's connected, then you got to ask yourself, you know, hey, uh, uh, like if it's, if it's like a husband or a wife, um, that's that's a little bit more nuanced. <clears throat> so if y'all both, if, if y'all start off believing for a house and then, and then you still believe in the house, but your spouse to believe in the house, then that could cause, because can two walk together say they agree. <clears throat> That's the conflict. But if it's a prayer partner, a friend or something like that, then I can see how um, it could be different that way. You're so welcome, LV. Josh Pippen says, how do I survive quarantine, being in the house all day after reading the Bible and find myself having idle time? You got to find um, something to do. Um, what I mean by that is reading the word, Praying, all of that is great, but it has to be coupled with something else. You have to add something else to that plate. What does God want you to do after you have read? And it's what you do. You have to change the way you look at reading your Bible and praying. It has to be more than a devotion. It has to be more than something you check off your list. It has to be more than something I was told I have to do. It has to be relational. It has to be transformational. It can't be transactional. People that go to prayer, not saying you, but people go to prayer and read a Bible for transactional purposes end up getting mad at God because they say, well, I put all this time. They start getting into self-righteousness and uh, um, yeah, self-righteousness. What's the other word? Uh, uh, works righteousness. Right. And so they'll start be like, well, I did this. You should. And then God becomes someone that owes you something because you did whatever. God owes us nothing. He already done did the payment. Right. But if you look at it and from a transformational aspect, then you can say, how can you like scripture to work on me? What books, card games? No, that's me. <laughs> what? Oh, it could be you. What books, card games, videos, business ideas, ministry? There's so much to occupy your day. Listen, I don't have no idle time. Even in my idle time, right? I'm watching uh, uh, Guy Ferrari's Diners, Drivers, and Dives. I'm watching grocery games. I'm watching uh, 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 Smoking and Grilling with AB. I'm, 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 I'm doing something. You know what I'm saying? I'm not allowing myself to be idle while I'm sitting there twiddling my thumbs, right? It's a blessing to be at home because now you can start honing in on the thing that God has within you that he wants to bring out of you. So what I would do is after you pray, after you read, transformationally, meaning you're reading the word, asking the word questions about yourself, looking at the word as a mirror, cultivating, changing things. Start, if you see areas that you're lacking in, start ordering books and reading on those different things. Get a book for every area that you need to grow in, personal development. Then also develop the prop for product development. Personal development, then product development. What is it that God wants you to do? Then start going on Google, start going on YouTube, taking courses, taking classes on that area that you want to uh, 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 be strong in. There's always room to improve. 
There, I'm always watching videos and researching and studying areas in financial stewardship. I'm always studying something about business and, and psychology and understanding people. I'm, I, I have no time because I know in the meantime, when it's my due time, I don't want to have nothing to give. So it's a lot that you can invest in in yourself and from yourself so that you can be your best self. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Coach, can you enjoy your singleness too much? Yeah, you're going to enjoy. Oh, let me read your question. Coach, can you enjoy your singleness too much? Total honesty. My singleness in the Lord is the most safest I've ever felt. I don't want to reject whom the Lord sends in his timing for the fear of being hurt. Great question. <clears throat> you rarely hear this side, right? Uh, there is a way that a person can idolize their singleness in fear. At the root of everything is fear. Fear gives off a facade. When people get into the facade, they'll. it looks like they're strong. It looks like they're happy. I'm not talking about you. It looks like they're well. But when you look up underneath the facade, you see the fear. Some people, they love their singleness too much because they're afraid of getting hurt. So what happens, they was hurt <clears throat> by uh, whoever. Then they get into the singleness. They begin to love on themselves or whatever. And then the fear of being hurt again makes them love their singleness too much and not being available, right? So there we go. You said, uh, uh, I don't want to reject whom the Lord sins and it's time for fear of being hurt. That's why you got to let the let God love you. And what I mean by that is you have to understand that God will never lead you into being hurt. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not going to be disappointed. doesn't mean that you're not going to be whatever by people. So some people's fear of being hurt causes them to have a high, uh, 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 a low tolerance of interacting with humans. What I mean by that is if a person accidentally ignores you or if a person uh, uh, slightly raised their voice at you and you have this deep level of hurt, then you would give them maximum punishment for a misdemeanor. They were just being a human, a natural human that goes through the emotions. You know, he didn't wake up and hug you that morning. He didn't wake up and say this to you. And all of a sudden that hurt from your previous relationship is so there that you're not withholding sex from him. You're not withholding stuff from him because what he did pierced into your trauma and now you're bringing drama. That's why it's important to say don't fall in love with your singleness and not allowing love into your singleness. When you love your singleness too much and you don't allow the love of God to come into your singleness and heal those deeper wounds, then you will end up being the one wounding. Then you'll be the one hurting the individual from the hurt. Hurt people hurt people. So your safety cannot come from your singleness. Your safety must come from God, knowing that you as a wife, if your husband, 15 years in your marriage, starts whatever, you have the strength from your relationship with God to pray for him. You have the strength to, to, to still intercede. You know what I'm saying? But I but God is so all-knowing that he knows the person for you that is going to be uh, submitted enough to him not to hurt you deeply. Now, will he be annoying? Yes. Will he get on your nerves? Yes. Will he be frustrating? Yes. But don't be a person where a person's light affliction, a person's being just being a natural human, causes you to feel like, oh my gosh, I hate marriage. And I counsel people like this all the time. I'm like, fam, he didn't even really do nothing. She didn't even really do nothing. But because they never dealt with the trauma, now they become the source of the drama causing trauma to their kids. So you have to go down 
and ask yourself, why are you afraid? Why have you allowed God to love you in that area? In what ways can you develop the spiritual disciplines needed in your singleness to be prepared to deal with the conflicts and tensions of marriage without having pretenses about why that person even did what they did, right? Or you won't be building fences in your marriages because of some light affliction that individual did. A lot of things you got to think about because your facade could be, hey, man, singleness is great. But like you said, deep down inside of it, you have a fear of being hurt. And if you have a fear of being hurt, how can you endeavor to be successful? Hurt people, hurt people, hold people, hold people. Right. And so what you got to start doing is start really digging deep <clears throat> and dealing with their hurt so that you so that you don't become falling into idolatry in, in, in regards towards your um, singleness. And then you start missing out what God has for you. I hope that helped. And I may have to do a little bit more on this because, yeah, um, I'm, I'm approaching one hour, y'all. I got I got a lot of work to do today. Uh, uh, okay, let me see. I'm just looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. Just to see if uh, how many more. Oh, thank you. Thank you. My birthday. Yeah, thank you. My birthday. I'm about to be 36 years old. 36. 36 years old. That's that's something. Uh <clears throat> closer to 50 than I am to 20. So I love getting older though. So my birthday is December 31st, man. I'm getting older, man. Uh be 36 years old. Uh man, it's a lot more questions, man. I thought I had maybe three more. This is what I need. This is what I need. I'm so glad. Man, some good questions though. But I don't want to skip nobody. She says, mm, that's one hit my spirit. What errors haven't I allowed the Holy, the Lord to heal me? That's right, man. Singleness is an opportunity for healing. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to see how many questions I have left and see if I have the time to really kind of get to them. Man, y'all. We mm, said bars, preach, amen. All right, here we go. I found a question. All right, let me see. This is what I needed. I'm dating this girl. Oh. I think I know this. I know Speedy Spray. I think I know you. You one of the students. Nah. Let me see. I got a kid that runs at UNC um, uh, North, Carolina, North Carolina State. I thought that was you. <clears throat> hmm. <laughs> All right. Let's see what I can do. Maybe two more and I'm done. Okay. Speedy Spread says, I'm dating this girl and we broke up a couple of times but got back together. She recently got baptized, which is awesome. That's great. How do I know if I should be in a relationship or if I'm forcing it? I also have a lot of talents, running track, music, and I go to a good school, UNC. How do I know which direction and which one to pursue fully? Great question. Let me see you got something else. Pursue. I pray you get this because I know God can use other people to give answers through the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Coach Josh, for being available for God's use and stewarding your time and gifts. You're so welcome, bro. And for the college kids, the young people, man, you know I got a special place in my heart for you all. So I'm definitely going to give um, the best that I have um, through the help of the Holy Ghost. You said, I'm dating this girl and we broke up a couple of times, but got back together. That's life. It happens. She recently got bachelor's, which is awesome. That's great. How do I know if I should be in, in this relationship or if I'm forcing? Let's start there. Um, go with the flow. As young people, you have to learn about how to go with the flow of God. Trusting that God will 
uh, t- turn everything around for your good. There were situations in me and my wife's uh, dating relationship that we didn't even think was going to end up being married. But God <clears throat> orchestrated us to get back and look, we're three years married now, right? So you don't want to get so caught up in whether or not y'all will be together, right? You got to focus on you, man. Let me tell you something about college at the, the precious age that you're at right now. As a young man, a lot of young men get trapped and not, not necessarily a woman is a trap, but I'm saying they get trapped into love early but they never love themselves. Men have to learn how to love themselves. Men have to love, learn how to develop themselves. Men have to understand order and leadership, right? Because a woman can be overwhelming. The baptism can be overwhelming. And that natural desire to be needed and to seed it will have you end up being married to it prematurely. Men have a natural instinct to instruct, to care, to guide, they have this natural instinct to be needed, right? And to seed it, like to seal it. Like I want to marry this woman, but you really don't have anything to offer her. You haven't really cultivated yourself. And so a lot of young men, they get married early and then they have resentment later because now they done gave everything to marriage because y'all understand a lot of ladies are okay with just being married. Some women, they idolize marriage such a degree that they win. And then if you marry her and the winning, and she's the only one winning, she's the only one that won, and you're still a son, and you haven't really grown up to being a man, then you're going to end up having resentment towards her. That's why it's important for a man to know how to be led by God so he can develop leadership skills, so he'll know how to lead a woman's will, an emotional zeal, her feelings, right? He'll be able to know how to lead it without falling entrapped by it, right? And so then that will keep you from forcing it. If you feel like you're giving more energy, time, and emotion to the idea of y'all two or the relationship of y'all two, and it starts affecting your schoolwork, starts affecting your talents, giftings, etc., then you know you're forcing it. What you got to do is say, do I trust God with it? Do I trust God has the one for me? Do you know the girls I dated in college? How I felt back then, like, oh, she got to be the one? And she end up being the one. And the one I have is 20 times greater. You see what I'm saying? So what I'm saying is you got to trust and know that no matter how amazing she is, no matter how great a girl she is, you got to be okay with the idea that she might not be it for you. And if you haven't came to grips of her not being it for you, you're going to have too much a strong grip of it. And you're going to find yourself being used by the devil. And she may be anything that you can't let go will be a tool that enemy will use not to let go of you. And what I mean by that, hear me clearly, that's profound. Anything you can't let go, the devil will try to come through the back door to use it against you. He will use it. So I, you got to learn how to be attached but detached. You got to know how to be attached and detached to the point to where as a husband, I'm attached to my wife, but I'm also detached to a degree that if if the Holy Spirit saying go this way, but she says go that way, I'm not that attached to her to, to go the way that she tells me. I know that my greater attachment is God. So there's a balance in, in being attached and detached and the nuance and the balance of that so that you don't become unbalanced later. <clears throat> so right now, bro, I would just say, hey, if you meet me at the altar, cool. But right now, I got to make sure I don't alter my purpose, alter what God has for me, right? So I'm dating this girl. We broke up a couple of times. It happens, but got back together. So y'all together now. 
Y'all got back together. So y'all together now. She recently got baptized, which is awesome. How do I know if I should be in this relationship or not? You, what I would do, my brother, say as the man, as the young man, I will go to her and say, you know what? I'm going to do what's right. What I'm going to do is let's take two weeks. You go focus on your studies. You go focus on you. I'm going to focus on me. I need, uh, I need for you to go pray and seek God. I'm going to go pray and seek God because I want what's best for you. I want God's best for me. I want God's best for you. And I do not want to invest time, emotion, or energy into anything that God has asked me. So I think it will be right. And couple that with, I hope it's you. I, I love you. But I got to make sure that you're from God. Take two weeks away. And when y'all two weeks away, I need you to do this, my friend. God, I believe that I hear from you. Petition to God one time. God, I believe I hear from you. Here's my heart. Invent to God. God, I love her. Get, get all that out of your emotion. Talk to God about her. Talk about what you would love to be with, how you want to be with. Talk to God about that. Get out your system. And then as soon as you got out your system, this is what you say to God then. I believe I hear from you. In the next two weeks, God, I know I'm going to hear from you. Don't petition no more. After that, when you start feeling frustration, you start feeling that you miss her, I believe I hear from God. God, I know you. I know you talk to your son. Start praising God. And then about time that two weeks get done, you will know if she's yours or not. Me and my wife did it. And look where we at to this day. Next question was this. Also, I have a lot of talents running track music and I go to a good school, UNC. How do I know which direction and which one to pursue fully? Great question, man. Now that right there is, is important for you to process as well. It's being able to say, you know what? I got all this in my, in my dwelling and I got to invest it. Now, let's look at this. Music stands out to me because that sounds like something that's you, right? Running track is just something you just was fast, right? So uh, what I would do is if track got you the scholarship, then you maximize it, right? You maximize it by doing your obligation if you're, if you're a student athlete, right? And if you're a student athlete, run track. But at the same time, okay, this is what I would tell you to do. Get on a sheet of paper and write down 24 hours. Write down a three-hour increment, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m., 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., 1 p.m. to 3 p.m., 4 p.m. to 6 p.m., 7 p.m. to 9 p.m., 10 p.m. to 12 a.m., 1 a.m. to 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to 6 a.m., right? And write down each hour what is obligated, sleep, whatever. This will help you with time management. Write down the times where you have track practice. Write down the times where you have school, etc. Whatever time you have left, give it to music. That's all I would say. Because your obligation, you go into school, so you got, you got to do schoolwork. You're also on a track team. You run tracks. So you got to obligate that. Whatever you have left, you invest into music. You don't need to invest eight hours in that. <clears throat> if you only have two hours left, one hour left, you invest in the music. You're cultivating all your gifts because at this age, the beautiful thing is you're learning yourself. The ultimate thing you got to cultivate right now is your relationship with God because you'll be surprised what else is in you. Now we got to see, like for me, music is one of my giftings, but I don't sing. I don't I don't play an instrument, but I could put a concert together like that. Right now, I can boom, boom. I, I've put so many concerts together. I've had Jackie Hill Perry. I, we done did all this kind of stuff. I don't boom, boom, boom. But that's, that's, I love, I, I have an ear for music. I know what sounds good. I know what's good, even though I can't spit nothing good. Now, I could probably rap if I really get into it. I could probably, because I'd I be, I be rapping here. You know what I'm saying? So maybe, but I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, <laughs> I'm not musically, what I mean, but I don't know if, I don't, I don't know if I got the hand movements for it. 
I don't know if I know how to rock the mic. I may be able to be on a track and spit something. But, but anyway, what I'm saying is there's levels to that, that you never know what God may want to do with music. So you spend time with God. Give what you give unto Caesar what is Caesar's. Give unto you and see what is you and see. And give and give to who has a clear sight in you to God. And then God will cultivate that musical gift. And then as you fellowship with God, you will begin to see, I didn't graduate from college because God says you got enough from there. Now you go over here. Then you'll know how God will lead and guide you. I got to go, y'all. Love you all. But he, he a college student, man. So, you know, you know, I had to, you know, I had to, you know, and, and she, I, she said, amen. Great counsel for that, brother. I love it. Amen. Amen. So, uh, ah, ah, why you do this to me, Priscilla? How, why'd you do this to me? That's why I don't scroll down. The only reason I'm answering this is because it's for clarification purposes. How do you learn how to attach and detach? First off, you got to understand your first attachment, who is God. My allegiance is to God. His, my, his guidance is my guidance, right? When you begin to know that you and God, that God's your ultimate attachment and heat, because you got to understand humans <clears throat> are easily infiltrated by demonic spirits. You've seen the movie Matrix. Maybe some of y'all are too young for Matrix. The new Matrix came out, but I, I didn't see the new one yet. I can always go by the old one. And when Neo was trying, it was a truck scene. The, the agents was jumping into different people to get the Neo. They jumped into the uh, uh, tractor trailer guy and try to cause accidents. So what I'm saying is people have a lot of open opportunities to be used by the devil against you. Peter was used by the devil. People are going to be used. You don't know who has an open window, open door, open basement door where demons, because you're so attached to them, can go through that back door of the basement, come out and use their words to confuse you. So you have to have that complete allegiance to God that no matter what my wife say, no matter what I say against her, I her attachment allegiance to God, which would then be able to put me where I need to be. <clears throat> so to learn how to do that is to start cultivating. I can't. I can't give you five steps of it. I can give you the first step. And that means you got to start making more time with God. Start spending more time with God. Start getting to know God more. This way you can do it. Type in the attributes of God and you'll see a bunch of lists of attributes of God. Find the scriptures in there and start studying and researching that, right? And then begin to audit the people around you. What I would do is write down everybody who is attached to you in some kind of way. That's a great exercise. Write down a sheet of paper. Everyone who's attached to you in some kind of way. Ex-boyfriends, boyfriend, friends, mom, dad, everybody. Write down everybody that if they do something, it affects you in some kind of way. Write down their name and write beside them a scale of one to 10. How strong is that attachment? One, two, some people are a nine and a 10. If you start having a lot of people who have a strong attachment to you, then you got to start changing your view of them. In light of God, and just start saying it. How start really writing a sheet of paper? Do do they have a strong attachment to me than God? Where is God on the list with these people? So I have a strong attachment to my wife, but even though she's a ten, God's my eleven. You see, what I'm saying God's my twenty, right? So good. You do that, and then start saying. I start researching why they have such a strong attachment to you. If their attachment to you is because they're good people, then good. If their strong attachment to you is because of a soul tie, stronghold, uh, 
uh, uh, uh, emotional ties or whatever, that's when you got to check out this book right here. This book I wrote called The Purpose of Freedom, How to Untie Soul Ties and Uproot Strongholds. That book right there will help you um, get with their, get get from with under their hold so that you can be able to hold what God wants you to hold. But you have to learn the art of that to the point to where you and God are so tight and you're developing that relationship with God. Now, it's going to be hard in the beginning, but as you start cultivating that relationship with God, then you will be able to hear his voice above others. But the one you give your, your heart to the most, their voice become the strongest. So you got to start investing more time with God so his voice can be the strongest to you so that no matter what they may say, opinion or not, you know what God has said to you. God will always speak first to you before others if you allow him to. So that anything else outside of that is either a confirmation or a counterfeit information. Hope to help. The Lord speaks in those moments of intimacy. Amen. That's real. She said, I love that sister's question. Good one. Come on, say that. Ungodly soul ties are yeah, they're dangerous. And then you'll think this God speaking to you and it's not God speaking to you. And then you'll think, don't even look at me. Like I tell people, I don't like I have a I have I learned how to be attached and detached, even from my mentor, even from my pastor. That's the point to where if God says one thing, I don't care what type of spiritual history he has, I'm going with what God say. And you can't have no one above God because anyone you have above God will have the strongest rod against you. They'll be the one that will guide you, right? So you got to say God above everyone else, and you got to fight for God to be number one. You got to fight for God to be at the center. You got to fight to be able to say, I hear what you say, but I'm going to go in my hiding place and talk to God to see if it works. I'll give you an example. My pastor, when he offered me this job, <clears throat> the old me would have been like, yeah, I'll take it. No, no, no. I told him to his face. I said, man, I got to go pray about this. It was a great opportunity. Just because it's a great opportunity, I got to make sure it's a God opportunity because I got a whole wife. I can't just be making financial job switching decisions and just be doing stuff when I got a whole wife at home, right? Even if you're a single man, single woman, you got to start thinking about that. Like I got to practice now because one day I'm going to be responsible. So I don't care if it's a prophet, a pastor, or me. If it don't line up with, with the word of God or what God has said to you personally, then why do you think the devil's after your personal time with God? Why do you, do you think he makes your time so busy so that you'll be in a hurry to hear what other people got to say versus what God has to say. So write down everyone who has a strong attachment to you or who you uh, listen to. And honestly ask them, is God even number one? And when you're the, uh, you can only help yourself if you're honest with yourself. So what you do, if you say, man, God ain't even in my top 10, then man, I got work I need to do. Because if God's not number one, then, man, everybody else, because anybody above God is going to be a hard taskmaster. Man, you got to make sure that you that you know God and know his voice because we come into a time where things are going to get louder. The news is going to get louder. Friends are going to get louder. Parents are going to get louder. Everybody's going to get louder. And if you don't know how to still yourself and go to your quiet place and hear from God, then you ain't going to really be guided by God during these turbulent times. Got to go. If I keep looking, I'm going to start doing more questions. I love you all. Make sure you check out uh, books. If you need coaching, <clears throat> need help, email me, website, imunplugged.com. Links in the description box below. Link, link, links is in the uh, chat right now if you're watching me live. Uh, also, like the video too. All y'all that like, man, appreciate you for liking. Helps the video get out there. Also, got another book, The Wholeness Journal. Help you on this wholeness journey. Uh, card game to go with it. 
Uh, also, if you're struggling with your singleness, I got this book called The Purpose of Singleness. Are you whole or full of holes? Great book there. I got a great book on how teach you how to date God, date yourself and become dateable so you can date the love of your life. Uh, so you can date the love of your life forever. Also, this book has a ton of questions in it that will either help you end the wrong relationship or extend the right relationship. If you struggle with soul ties and strongholds, I have this book right here called The Purpose of Freedom. How to Untie Soul Ties and Ugly Strongholds. Great book there. If you need help on discernment to know whether or not that's a counterfeit man or a counterfeit woman or a counterfeit job, counterfeit location, this book right here is probably one of the most profound books God blessed me to write. It really is going to help you with discernment and make sure you know to, de to determine what's God and versus what's God and what's good. So if you need help with that, get that book here. If you have young people, my wife and I have our own cartoon uh, um, and all, our own children's book called As He Says, As For Students I Serve, Wise Sayings for Young People to Tap Into Their Purpose. Also, struggling with uh, uh, spiritual warfare, I have a book called World of War Me. How to Win the War Within helps you understand it's the whole armor of God, spiritual warfare, all that kind of stuff. Also got merch on my website as well. Check it out. Uh, all that is available now on my website, imunplugged.com. Links in the description box below. Links in the comments section. If you're watching on Facebook, I'll post the links later. Uh, I think that's it. Uh, do I sell bundles? I'm, <clears throat> it's hard to get all my stuff. My, my card games are not on on um amazon so i'm working on that on um, all the books you can bundle together because they're all on amazon um but uh right now i don't have the capacity we're working on that to grow into that to where we can have product to where we can bundle shirts books wristbands i want to get my wristbands back out a lot of different things so y'all support help us with that if you want to give and support what me and my wife do with our mentoring program for the school systems um public and private if you uh, uh go to my website if you want to give towards that uh, we're helping multiple students discover their purpose and get their products out uh, so you can help us with that. Um, if you just want to give for the work, you just feel led to give and what we're doing is for what I'm doing online. You just feel led to give. We appreciate your generosity in advance. Uh, booking, speaking engagements, all that stuff. All that's available on my website as well if y'all need me to come and uh, help you in any regards uh, in your city, state, country, whatever. Love you all. Y'all be blessed. I'll see y'all next time. Uh, peace.